Let's do that hockey. Welcome to Dauber Prospects Radio. I'm your host, Peter Harling. And coming up on today's episode, I'll be giving you three more prospects to watch. I'll be talking about uh, rebuilding my own fantasy team. I made some trades recently, blowing it up, doing a rebuild, trade some stars. And uh, so, I don't know, maybe you find that interesting, a little bit of uh, uh, firsthand experience or tip on on how to go about maybe starting that on your own. Uh, first, I want to say that uh, the podcast is now ranked on, on Apple Podcasts, so I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, really appreciate it. And uh, hey, if you want to do something for the show, go ahead and hit a five-star review, like us, follow us, subscribe, download some episodes, all that fun stuff. It, it all helps out a lot. I would really appreciate it. Uh, later on in the show, I'm going to be joined by Dauber Prospects fantasy expert Tony Ferrari. He covers Ottawa Senators for us and uh, draft-eligible prospects. He was one of the nine or so writing contributors to this year's edition of Dauber Prospects fantasy ranking the NHL draft. So he and I are going to talk about that, break it down uh, by tiers, and, and look at how some of those players uh, grouped up and who we thought really stands out or was a little higher, a little low, so on and so forth. Uh, so coming up first, I'd like to talk about uh, three prospects you need to know. And the first one is Carter uh, Savoy. He is the brother of uh, Matt Savoy, who applied for but was denied the exceptional status title in the WHL. And he um, he got drafted anyways uh, by the Kootenai Ice. Uh, so he's playing in that league now in a, in a limited games played capacity, which is uh, interesting. I'm not sure how that works out exactly. Uh, but also his uh, older brother, Carter, is on this week's player to watch so he doesn't exist in fan track so he's not someone you can look up there is no fan tracks ownership form his younger brother does because he's a little bit of a hockey prodigy uh but until he's drafted i guess he's uh carter is not going to be available so this is someone you're going to want to just kind of maybe take an up look for opportunities to watch him play uh which is going to be difficult he's currently playing in the alberta junior hockey league with the sherwood park crusaders uh so the Difficult to watch those games. Uh, and then next year, he's committed to University of Denver. Uh, and I've, I've mentioned on this podcast a couple of times, it's in Canada specifically, it's difficult to find a lot of NCAA games broadcast on TV. And uh, yeah. So anyhow, the reason why I like this kid is because he's a bit of an offensive dynamo. And uh 27 games played this season so far. He's got 30 goals, not points, goals. So he's over a goal per game pace. Uh, his assist totals are, are, are not shockingly low, but disappointingly low. 21 assists only, so 51 points in 30, uh, 27 games is very good. He's 5'9", 192, plays on the left wing. So University of Denver in college is somewhere that he'll have an opportunity to... Uh, to bulk up and um, learn to play against uh, bigger and older players playing at the college level. Uh, then he'll need a little bit of time playing in pro hockey as well before he uh, is ready to go at the NHL level. But um, he is someone who is ranked in the top 31 for this uh, coming NHL draft. So Tony and I will talk about him a little bit later on in the episode, so stay tuned for that. But uh, Carter Savoy is the first player. His WHL rights are owned by the Regina Pats, by the way. He was picked in 2017 in the ninth round. I fully don't expect that he'll ever play a game in the WHL, but uh, just throwing that out there, that that's who owns his his rights in the CHL. Um, So that's player number one. Second prospect I want to talk about today is Tice Thompson of Providence College in the NCAA. He is brother to Tage Thompson of the Buffalo Sabres. Tage Thompson is a big, tall, uh, strong first-round pick, um, played for USA 
uh, did a little time in the NCAA himself, and is now um, competing to play regular in the NHL. Uh, so Tice is not quite the monster that his um, big brother is. He's six foot one sixty five, so he is pretty lean. So he's gonna need to beef up a little bit. Um, but uh, he's playing in the right league to do that. You know, they, they only play on the weekends in college, so he's got all week to uh, to work out in the gym, do some reps. Uh, so he is a New Jersey Devils property. He was drafted in 2019, so he was just picked uh, in the fourth round, 96 overall, and he's 20 years old. So he was passed over in the NHL draft two times. Um, His sophomore season is what he's playing in right now. Uh, We're 17 games in for him. He's got 13 goals and 14 assists for 27 points, which has eclipsed his freshman season point totals of 25 points in 42 games. Uh, so this looks like it's a, a, a potential case of your classic late bloomer. So a guy who's 20 playing NCAA had a breakout season in his draft after he was drafted by um, New Jersey. So New Jersey saw something last year in his, you know, pretty good season. 25 points in 42 games as a 19-year-old freshman in college is, is good. Um, but hey, 27 points in 17 games is great. Uh, so... This is a player who's only 1% fan tracks owned. He's not available in my leagues, of course, unfortunately, but I do this to help you. Um, he's a player that, uh, you know, has serious um, potential to be a late bloomer, uh, a guy you can add as a free agent in your pool, stash him on your prospect bench, um, and he might turn pro next year or he might meet another year after that and then need another season in the AHL. So, you know, we're talking long-term investment here and i don't think the upside is is uh in a you know an elite player in the nhl but i do think he has nhl upside and for a free player what more could you ask for so the third player on my three prospects to watch list this week is uh, a little bit more probably well-known player that would be matthew phillips of the calgary flames although his fan tracks ownership is only three percent so Phillips made the list because he's been recalled to the NHL. Now they call it recalled, but he's never actually played in the NHL. And this is his first time getting a, uh, a shot in the big league. So I'm not sure why they call it a recall. Hmm. Anyhow, he's up with the Flames now after posting 25 points in 22 games in the AHL this season. And that's not bad. Nine goals, 16 assists. He had a career year in the 17-18 season in the dub, playing with Victoria his final season. Uh, He put up 48 points in 71 games. Sorry, 48 goals in 71 games. And 64 points. Uh, That's 112 points in 71 games. That's very good. He's undersized, 5'7", 154. So we're talking, you know, Johnny Gaudreau small. Um, But, you know, hey, that's not a problem in the NHL these days, so I wouldn't worry about that at all. Uh, Whether or not he can translate his offense to the NHL level remains to be seen, but the fact that he's carried it over from having a, a very impressive rookie season in the dub all the way through, constantly progressing and having a, a career year in his fourth season in the dub, as I pointed out. And then last year, he had a transition year in the AHL that was okay, and now is a second-year player. Uh, he's just, um, he's blooming. So here's a player who um, I actually have a trade offer on the table for him, and I'm going to consider taking it. Uh, I got to pay something to get something, of course, but uh, that's a nice segue to talk about what I wanted to talk about next. So in my uh, league that I'm in, it's exactly like the DPFHL. Uh, In fact, I use this league as a model for the DPFHL, and we've talked about that league on this podcast before. So basically what it is, is there's, I think there's 24 teams in this league, and it's um, a hard salary cap. So, you, you know, if you have a player who's got a long-term contract and not living up, you can't just drop them and and add another player. You have to use the same buyout penalties that the NHL has. So it'll go against your salary cap for a few extra years. Um, So it's a full roster, you know, three centers, three left wings, three uh, 
other wings, and then three forwards, 16, and uh, and two goalies at four. Bench players, you can have any position that you like to alternate in between your roster as you set your rosters daily for a head-to-head match. And then you also have a 25 or so man prospect bench. So it's like 50 contracts. You know, it's a full team. So I inherited this team coming back into this league this year after a little hiatus. And the team was okay, right? It's good. Um, the goaltending isn't very good, though. The goalies are uh, Corey Crawford and Cam Talbot. And goaltending takes up a lot of your head-to-head categories each week. So if you if you don't win your goaltending categories consistently, you're, you're going to lose consistently. And that's sort of been my problem. You know, uh, Crawford's been coming around a little bit lately. Um, I have had Brad Marchand. He was my best player by far. Um, and I acquired Pajot and Borvietsky from Ottawa for a second, third round pick earlier in the season. Pajot has been paying off in spades, but, uh, you know, he's going to get a, a raise this season as a free agent. So will Borvietsky. So their value will go down a little bit as player value is hand in hand with salary cap uh, and their contract. So if they have an expiring contract, their value goes up because when their contract expires, if you don't like the contract they sign as a free agent, you can just drop them. So it's a good way to get rid of contracts. You let them expire and then you just kind of walk away from them and become free agents. Uh, so anyways, as I was saying, the season's kind of kind of gotten away from me. Uh, the team's um, hasn't been able to put together a win streak, put together a few loss streaks, lost to some teams that I didn't feel I had any business losing to. Um, and so I decided, you know what? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to mix it up. I'm, I'm going to do a rebuild. I'm, you know, it's fun. It's, there's no money in these pools. So why the hell not? Um, problem with that is I was really thin on draft picks. I don't have my own first round pick. Um, so that's a, that was a real problem for me. So if you're going to blow up your roster and trade all your good players away for futures, um, it's nice to have the reward of after weeks and weeks and weeks of losing all season, when the draft comes around, you get rewarded with, you know, a lottery ticket and then hopefully a shot at Byfield or Lafreniere. Um, so getting my draft pick back was, was part of my strategy. And uh, the team that owned it was very interested in Brad Marchand, who I decided I would I would part ways with. Uh, he's one of the best players in the NHL, on the best line in the NHL, and one of the best contracts in the NHL. So he's one of the best players in the pool. Um, so if you're gonna you know make a make a move to start a rebuild, that's a good way to do it by trading a player like that who's at the the pinnacle of his career and, and very quickly is going to start you know in a, in a year or two he's going to start diminishing slowly, but surely. Uh, so trade him while he's at the top. If, if you don't have an opportunity to win, why not? Right? So here's what I did. Uh, the first trade I made as part of my rebuild was I packaged up, uh, Shea Weber and Mark Borvietsky. So the reason why I, I traded Shea Weber, uh, is because his contract is really high and it runs for a really long time and he's really old. Um, he's one of the best defensemen in the league, of course. You know, he's a multi-cat monster. He provided me with a lot of shots and hits and blocks uh, and points. Um, so pretty much everything but face-off wins, Weber was giving me and plenty of them. So I really liked the production that he gave me. But the problem is, like I said, you know, two, three years from now, if he doesn't retire, that's going to be a major problem. Uh, and I wasn't really interested in the last couple of years before he retired of him just going through the motions. So I packaged those guys up and I moved them out um, for cap freedom. And the players I got back were Tyson Berry, Toronto Maple Leafs defenseman. And I think with the coaching change that uh, that's will be a new lease on life for him. And while he may not, may not provide nearly the same sort of value that I was getting from Weber and Borvietsky in terms of hits and blocks, I still think I'll get, uh, you know, good value out of him uh, offensively. And if I'm right and he's able to rebound uh, in Toronto this season under a new coach, getting a lot more power play time and put up some offensive numbers at a, you know, decent salary cap hit of 5.5 million, I might even be able to flip him because I probably won't keep him once he signs for, you know, seven or eight million next year uh, if he has a, a big second half of the season. 
uh, I'll be able to, you know, trade him as a rental at the end of the season as well and, and recoup some more assets for him, hopefully. Uh, the other player I got was Jimmy VZ. He was kind of a, a cap dump to keep the cap sap, uh, s- sort of similar. Um, more on him in a bit. And I got a, a fourth round pick in the draft too. The next trade I made was Jimmy VC. I flipped him immediately um, to another team for Mike Hoffman. I'm not sure why they were so keen to get rid of Mike Hoffman. Um, he's an unrestricted free agent after this season, but so is VC. So no long-term commitment with either players, but I just feel like the upside with Hoffman is, is a lot higher and he's producing significantly more than VC is right now. Um, he's, you know, he makes a few more million, so I guess it was cap relief for the other team. Uh, but I was happy to take that player off his hands. I, I feel like that was a bit of a steal. Now the big trade. I traded the package of Brad Marchand with uh, JG Pajot and Nick Paul, who I signed as a free agent uh, before the season started because I knew that he was waiver exempt, and I, I didn't think that he would that the Sens would want to put him through waivers and send him to the AHL. But they did, and he started the season there for a very brief time. Uh, they recalled him, and uh, I don't think he's I don't think he's going back to the AHL for a while. He's in the NHL to stay, which is great because I really like him. I, I've been a fan of his since he was in junior, uh, playing for Canada at the World Juniors. Uh, I think there's some upside there. Um, Pajot is not too old or too long on the tooth, but again, I mentioned he's an unrestricted free agent after this summer and his contract is going to take a bit of a bump. And I also don't think he's nearly as good as he's been producing so far this season. League leading plus minus playing for the Ottawa Senators. That does not sound sustainable. Um, and he's got like 18 goals or something outrageous like that. Like that's obviously not sustainable. He has no history of providing that and he has an NHL career so far. Um, so sell high, sell high, sell high. And here's what I got back. I got back Riley Smith, Matthias Ekholm, and that mainly balanced the salaries in the trade. Uh, although I was happy to get back Riley Smith. I think he's you know very similar in value to Mike Hoffman, uh, a good, um, moderately uh, priced offensive forward. Doesn't provide me with a lot of the peripheral stats that I was getting from some of the other guys that I've traded. But, however, uh, he does put up power play points and whatnot. Um, Matias Hacom, I think, is one of the more valuable players dollar-wise uh, in the NHL. His three-and-change million-dollar contract, and he's got, I think, two more years to go on that. Uh, so that's pretty pretty sweet deal. He, he gives you a little bit of everything, a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. You know, a few hits, a few blocks, a few points, a few power play, a few shorthanded here, there, and everywhere. He's all over the place, and his plus-minus isn't bad either. Um, so I didn't mind picking him up at all. Uh, Troy Brower was a dump, um, just a roster filler for the guy. Um, didn't have space for him on his roster anymore, and he's not minors eligible, being a 1,000 years old. So... Um, that was part of the condition that I had to take that player. Uh, E2 Tolola is another player I got in this trade, a prospect. I'm a really big fan of this kid. This is just me being a fanboy getting this player in this trade. I don't know if he has a lot of NHL upside or not, but I really like the way this kid plays. I like watching him. Uh, I was really impressed with watching him at World Juniors um, and in the dub a few years ago when he was here. Uh, I watched him play at a Calgary Flames uh, prospect camp, and he's very rambunctious. He's hitting people. He's shooting. Um, he's involved after the play between the whistles, you know, getting getting guys' feathers all ruffled up. Um, I really like him. I, I think he's a really fun player to cheer for. So I hope he makes it. And then I also got three first-round picks, um, all about in the middle of the draft, and as I mentioned earlier, part of the condition of me wanting to do this rebuild was the fact that I, I wanted to make sure that I got my own first round pick. So none of the picks I got were mine. We All our teams are NHL team names. We don't have fun team names like the Springfield Isotopes or anything like that. So I got the Winnipeg, Ottawa, and Montreal first round pick. And then I had already had an arrangement where I would trade the Winnipeg first round pick and the Chicago's fourth round pick for my first round pick and Chicago's fifth round pick. So a swap of first round picks and Chicago fourth and fifth. So the guy I traded with who gave me my own first round pick back moved from the fifth round to the fourth round uh, with the Chicago picks and uh, rolled the dice on the Winnipeg-Calgary flip. We're a couple of points apart. 
Uh, I'm actually lower in the standings, uh, or higher in the standings than, than Winnipeg. So he, as, as of right now, he won that as well. But um, he's he's working on the assumption that after having traded away Marchand and and Weber and Borvietsky and Pajot, um, that my team's probably not going to get any better before it gets worse this season. Um, so that's... Those are the moves that I made on, on my fantasy team. Um, hey, I'd love to hear your feedback on them. Uh, if you think I, I won or lost or made fair trades in any of these situations, you can reach me on Twitter at P-H-A-R-L-I-N-G, at Farling, or at DPR underscore show. Speaking of DPR show, uh, it came to my attention recently that um, the podcast is now ranked in the top 50 for hockey podcasts on Apple Podcasts. So that's amazing. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. I really appreciate that. Um, if you haven't already done so, uh, I would really appreciate it if you could, uh, on whatever podcast host you're listening to on the show, be it uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple, um, wherever we are, uh, if you wouldn't mind just you know giving the show a, a review, a five-star review, maybe a comment, um, or on Podbean, wherever you listen. Uh, if you're on Twitter, if you wouldn't mind, you know, uh, retweeting the episode once it's posted, anything along those lines to help uh, increase some traction on the show would be uh, much obliged. Gratitude. Uh, okay, so three players to watch. Carter Savoie, Tice Thompson, Matt Phillips. Uh, a little bit of history on my fantasy team and my rebuild and the trades that I just made recently. I hope you found that interesting. Uh, if you're still with me, thanks very much. Uh, now let's move on. Let's talk about the NHL entry draft and um, and how we do the fantasy rankings. And I'm going to be joined by my guest, Tony Farrar. So hang on for that. All right. Welcome back to the DPR show. And now let's do a little bit of that hockey talk. We'll do some fantasy draft ranking conversation. And I'm pleased to be joined by my guest right now, Mr. Tony Ferrari. That's a sporty car last name you got there, bud. Yeah, it is. I get the the comment a lot. So I'm used to that one. Right on. So, Tony, you write for us for for Dauber Prospects. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the team you cover and, and where else you write for? Uh, yeah, well, I cover the Senators. Uh, pretty good prospect pool. I've enjoyed doing that this year after covering uh, Minnesota last year, which wasn't as exciting. Eesh. So, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> I enjoyed the move over to the Senators when uh, that came up. I definitely jumped on that. And uh, I also do some work for FC Hockey. But, yeah, most of my stuff's at Dauber, and I do a weekly column every Wednesday, and every couple weeks I do a – a shift-by-shift shift analysis I call shift work and different draft-eligible players there. And I go over a full game of their shifts and kind of pick out some of the finer details of their, their game within that. So, Those are really great articles, by the way. I really enjoy reading those. They are extremely insightful. It, it paints a really nice picture of what that player is all about. Yeah, they're, they're fun to do, but they're long. That's the big thing. Like, they're, yeah. they're, I, I, they go out on Monday mornings and I'm like, you gotta, you gotta sit down, have a coffee, like read it over your lunch break, something like that, because it's, it's a lot of video and a lot of comments. So I try to condense it down as much as possible and leave out shifts that the player comes on for 15 seconds and does nothing. So I try to condense it down, but it's always a long one. I bet it is a lot of work. Uh, labor of love, no doubt. Uh, oh, what's your, tw- sure. what's your Twitter handle? Where can people find you? Uh, the Twitter handle is at the Tony Ferrari. It's pretty simple. Someone took Tony Ferrari, so I added that to the front of it, and that's where you can find me at. All right, all right. So Tony, you were uh, gracious enough to be one of the nine contributing writers for the fantasy ranking, the NHL entry draft uh, for the season. This is something that I started a few years ago. Uh, it gets a lot of uh, a lot of clicks, a lot of love on the site. Uh, I think it's a one of the only places, if not the only place that I know of, that that does this. Uh, everyone and their monkey does a draft ranking, but <laughs> no one does a fantasy draft ranking. So you can, and I highly recommend doing your fantasy draft research by looking at all of the other rankings, going around, seeing uh, what uh, what people say before the draft, 
then seeing how the chips fall at the draft because no one does more scouting than NHL scouts. Oh, uh, so sure. they certainly, certainly know their stuff. So if they're drafting players early, there's a reason why. But what you want to know is, uh, is the reason why relevant to fantasy hockey? Um, is this a player that's going to come in and is going to be able to contribute? Um, what's the ETA on their arrival? What's their upside? What's the likelihood and all that stuff? So just simply using the NHL draft results as your draft guide can uh, can be perilous. You might end up with a Logan Stanley on your roster and uh, be scratching your head as to why you're not winning your, your pool. Uh, so the fantasy draft ranking that we do, uh, so the, just for anyone who hasn't read it yet, you can find it on uh, Dauber Prospects. I will uh, I will link it in the show notes, of course. Um, you can find it by going to Dauber Prospects and, and clicking on the 2020 draft uh, page. Uh, so what I do is I solicit the services of a number of writers at Dauber Prospects who focus on the entry draft. Um, so for purposes of this article, I asked yourself and uh, our director of European scouting, Joki Nebelainen, uh, Cam Robinson, of course, contributed. And I also look uh, outside of the Dauber Prospects organization um, and get some prominent writers, scout people to help contribute as well. So Scott Wheeler from The Athletic, um, Ryan Wegman, prospect manager for McKean's, Brock Otten from the OHL Prospects blog, uh, uh, Steve Ellis from the Hockey News, uh, Russ Cohen, um, Sportsology, um, uh, prospect radio host. Uh, these are all the people that contributed. And the way I come up with the list is, is everyone submits me a list, but it's a consensus ranking. So it's, it's an average sort of thing. And then uh, everyone gives me a couple of blurbs on each player and I put in a, a copy and paste some of the uh, a, a different sampling for, so everyone gets a little bit of exposure on the article and what's interesting when this is done is how it all breaks out into some tiers um, the way I do the ranking is like for example every single writer all nine of them ranked Alexis Lafreniere number one um, so he had a score of nine uh, almost everybody ranked Quinton Byfield number two, and his final score ended up being 18, or sorry, 19. Uh, one person ranked them three. Uh, so you can see how it goes. Wherever you're ranked on that person, that's your point, and then your total points determines your overall ranking. So once I have the overall rankings, then I sort it all out uh, at 1 through 31, and it shows me some, uh, some different tiers as well. Uh, so this is a really interesting... Uh, process to go through uh, really good in my own fantasy draft prep by the way um, so and having realized that and thought of that I thought you know what why don't I get one of the writers on thanks Tony and no uh, and, and we'll go through this and kind of not player by player but tier by tier uh, kind of break it down and, and let everyone see how it all shakes out now remember this episode is being recorded on December 12th uh, so the world juniors might have an impact on some of these and of course the rest of the season and playoffs and memorial cup and etc etc u18s will have a major impact on this too um however um we work with what we know today uh so let's get to it why don't we start at the top and work our way down right sounds good right on all right so without further ado uh alexis lafreniere uh ranked number one uh he is in a tier with quinton byfield and no one else those guys were the consensus top two and uh, not a lot of, of difference between them. So their rankings were 9 and 19, and this should surprise absolutely nobody. No, honestly, it's I figured these two would be at the top, and I, I had a feeling someone would push Byfield up to number one, and I, I almost did it myself even because I'm, I almost feel like at this point, Byfield might have the highest ceiling of anybody in this draft with his his size, speed, the skills, he, the, the puck skills he has. It's literally the, the sky is the limit for this kid. Lafreniere is going to be good. He's, he's going to be a first liner. We know that already. But Byfield has that potential to pass him possibly at the pro level. But as of right now, Lafreniere is just running away with it. It's, it's undeniable with the points he's putting up, the way he's playing. He's just dominating every level he's played at, so... It's not a yeah. shocker that he was number one. 
No, another before we go too far, another uh, little nugget that I, I neglected to mention that this is uh, a points only fantasy ranking for keeper leagues. So not all these players yes. are all draft entry players. So only a few of them will actually have impact on your fantasy roster next year. You're looking long term with all these guys, and it doesn't worry about bangers and mash keeping Carlson uh, type of leagues. Yeah. It's uh, it's just points only. So if you were to look at like a DPFHL or UHL, like the season or league that I was just talking about in the segment before, um, Quinton Byfield would actually be someone who I would probably rank higher because I think he's going to provide a lot more peripheral sort of stats than Lafreniere, uh, including faceoffs, um, which is a which is a big one. That's you know an entire stat category that he'll be contributing to that Lafreniere won't because he's a winger. Yeah. That's the big thing with 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 Byfield too, right? Like you said, if it's a bangers and mash league, he's gonna he's gonna be the guy that's putting up bigger points because he's gonna get a lot more hit total. He's gonna he's gonna have a higher hit total. Like you said, the faceoffs are huge with him. The fact that he's a center is is kind of what moves him ahead in that league. But if we're going points only at this point, I think Lafreniere is just squeaking ahead right now. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Okay, so that's the top tier, and uh, coming in in a second tier. All on his own, uh, with 26 points, is Lucas Raymond. Um, again, no surprise there that I think that that he ranked third overall. I was a little bit surprised that there was enough separation between him and any of the other tiers, though, that he would be that established as number three. I mean, a, a lot of people say that's where the draft starts at number three, because... Lafreniere and Byfield, they're going to be 1-2 or 2-1, whichever way you slice it. But then, you know, I, I've seen a number of other rankings where other people are ranked number three. Um, but because it's just fantasy, does he have that fantasy upside that's better than everyone else, do you think? I think that's what it is. It's it's the, the fact that it's strictly fantasy. We're going points only. Raymond's got such a dynamic skill set with, like, between his skating and his his shot's so underrated. And the playmaking is just, it, it's its something to marvel at. Like, his creativity with the puck is just, it's otherworldly. He might be the most creative player in this draft. And as much as a lot of people are starting to rank people ahead of him in that third spot for a lot of their draft rankings, I think at this point, Raymond's getting punished by the fact that he's not playing, essentially, in the SHL right now. And he's kind of getting screwed over a little bit by that. but. He's playing in a pro league. Holtz is getting more minutes and stuff, so he's putting up more stats. But Raymond's skill set, it's just, it's its something special. At the start of the year, he was in the same, in, at least in my opinion, he was in the same tier as, as Byfield. Byfield's pulled away a bit, and Raymond's kind of, in my opinion, he still separates himself from that next, the next group. That includes Holtz and Stutzel, Perfetti, and those guys. I'm predicting a strong recency bias at the end of the season when he blows it up at the U18. Exactly. And, and he just locks down that third in everybody's draft rankings going into the going into the draft out of the out of the home stretch. Exactly. And that's what I've been telling people is wait till the U18s. Wait wait till the World Juniors, wait till the U18s. See him against competition that's not men in a pro league where he's not being prioritized and his development's not a, uh, a priority to, for Lunder, right? It's a pro league. They're there to win. So he's in a yeah. tough spot, but we'll see. You know, it's hard for a lot of people to to really get a good handle on prospects because they don't, they don't watch them. Not because they don't want to. It's, it's not enough time in the day. And, you know, if you live in Canada, it's hard to watch SHL or KHL games. Or, you know, if you live in the States, it's hard to watch Alberta Junior Hockey League games yeah. and so on and so forth. So you look at the stat line and you think, eh, eh, he's not even half a point a game. Like, exactly. And I'm not impressed. But, you know, you take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, he's got less than half a point a game, but... He's playing four minutes a night, every other night. Like exactly. He's not, he's not even in every game. So, um, yeah, anyways, we'll see. Uh, so, moving along. So, that's a second tier all on his own, Lucas Raymond. The third tier has six players in it. Uh, so, coming in at number four is Alexander Holtz. He has 46 points. And this tier goes to number nine, which has 83 points. Um, and then the next jump after that goes from 80 to 115 in the next tier. So in this little group of six players, it goes Alexander Holtz, Cole Perfetti, Tim Stutzel, Jamie Drysdale, Marco Rossi, 
and Anton Lundell. Uh, the next highest ranked guy you had was Stutzel on your list. You had him fourth. He comes in sixth here. Uh, why did you have Stutzel so high? I have I have Stutzel so high because he's he he might be my favorite player in the draft. He, he's my adopted son this year. He's the guy <laughs> that I'm I've been pumping his break his his tires all year. He's in my opinion behind Lucas Raymond. He's he's the most dynamic player in this draft. The his skating is on another level and. Is in, in a purely fantasy perspective, this kid's just gonna put up points. He's gonna he's gonna get assists. He's creative with the puck. He's a, he's a great playmaker, and he's got a lethal shot. Like he his shot from like he gets into the slot with regularity, and he's just firing over goalie shoulders. And he's doing it in Champions League. He's doing it in the DEL, and he's he's showing that like the DEL is becoming more of a de- developmental league, and it's not as as uh, putrid as what people try to make it seem at times. Yeah, the Germans are coming. Uh, yeah. They're they're putting out solid players, first round picks year after year these days. Um, I had uh, Marco Rossi, um, but I mean, if, if taking Jamie Drysdale out because he's a defenseman, you've got Holtz, Perfetti, Stutzel, Rossi, Lundell. I think that is a very fluid group that you'll see a wide variety of of people ranking them based on preferences and biases. Um, I think that could change dramatically, but I don't see them moving too far or having anyone else really jump in into this group. Would you agree yeah, with I'd, that? I'd agree with that. Yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. Hey, you I can think, slice them up any gets, way you want. Yeah, exactly. I think Lundell gets, in a fantasy perspective, he gets he gets docked a little bit because he, he does have the reputation of being a more defensive player, but he has that elite skill set. Marco Rossi's been destroying worlds lately. Like, he's... He's putting up points that he's outpacing Byfield even in the OHL in a points yeah. per game perspective. He's yeah. he's he's destroying things right now. And I mean Perfetti, goal Perfetti. He's become a bit more of a playmaker this year to start the year, especially with a low per- shooting percentage to start the year. But he's he's still producing. Like you can't hate on him. If anything, you have to almost look at his versatility as a as a plus for him, right? Like he's he was build going into the year as a, a goal scorer and the guy's gonna oh he could put up 50 goals in his goal in his draft year well he's not doing that right now but he's starting to pick the goal scoring back up but his assist numbers are just through the roof at the time of uh when we were writing the blurbs for everyone he was leading the the ohl in assists not even just draft eligibles but the league itself so right yeah and he had that uh monster Holinka at the start of the season to to really give him some traction in his draft year so um did he just get cut from canada today yeah he, he got cut just recently wah, wah, wah. yeah exactly i mean i seen it coming kind of they had him playing as the 13th forward in both the games they played in the last couple of days so it yeah, was hey, the, the writing was on the wall but it was he's good got two more him in the camp and yeah yeah he's got two more years of eligibility doesn't he yep He's got yeah. two more years, so he should he'll be on the team next year, most likely. I would it think. was always his year next year. All right, so that's a solid group. Uh, one defenseman making the top ten, and that's Jamie Drysdale. Uh, what are your thoughts on drafting defensemen in fantasy hockey? Do they lose or gain value because there's so few of them, but you only get so many points from defensemen? I am of the the mindset that if you can get a high scoring defenseman get him like on my team this year it's a keeper league it's uh points only plus there's like we count Corsi and a few other really weird little stats in our league but i have two of my top three two of my top defensemen are kale mccarr and uh john carlson this year and like go for the high scoring defenseman yeah exactly if you can get the high scoring defenseman go for him what's that where are you in the standings Oh, I'm first. I, yeah. I, I was I, I was undefeated until last week when I went on vacation, and I didn't have the Wi-Fi to, to set my lineups every day, and I was so stressed out. And then when I finally got on Thursday, I was I was still up, but uh, I ended up All losing right. just barely. But it was actually just Stephen Ellis who was in the who contributed to this article too. So, oh, you see, I don't have anyone in my fantasy leagues contributing this article, so there's no conflict of interest there for me. Yeah, uh, but yeah. that's pretty cool that you can, uh, you know, you can back that up though. That 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 theory go with the offensive defenseman and being first. Okay, so moving on, the next group's got one, two, three, five guys in it, and it's Connor Zary, Dylan Holloway, Noel Gundler, Hendricks Lapierre, 
and Yaroslav Askarov. So the point range here is 115 to 130. Uh, so that's a pretty tight group. Uh, 15 points separating all those guys. Uh, five guys. Uh, Connor Zeri was leading the dub in scoring. Dylan Holloway is a uh, freshman in the NCAA. Um, the interesting player in, out of all this group, though, that I, I'm really curious about is the goalie, Yaroslav Askarov. Um, U17s last year, I watched that on TV, and Craig Button was like just falling over himself how much he was in love with this guy. Um, there's lots of Twitter love uh, for him as well. Um, I, I, I like what I see. I think he might be the best goaltending prospect to come along in a decade. And um, I, I would rank him... Re- I took some heat on Twitter the other day because someone was asking who they would pick uh, somewhere in the draft, like at three or four or whatever. And I said, don't forget about Askarov. And people are like, you don't pick goalies in the first round dumbass and, and so on uh, and so forth but i'm like uh yeah you do when they're yaroslav askarov yeah i was just gonna say when when they're yaroslav askarov you definitely draft him early in the first round no he's all been right. a guy that all year i've had in my personal like draft rankings he's been like in that nine to eleven range but every time someone asked me about him i'm like he could go third like i have zero doubt that if like detroit's up there at third or whatever in byfield and lafreniere are gone they could easily just go, you know what, let's drop the goalie, fill that organizational hole, and we don't have to worry about goalies for the next 15 years. Like, Askarov's that good that he, in my opinion, he warrants a, uh, a top five pick, if not a top 10. And I don't know. He's, he's a guy that, in fantasy, it's almost a guarantee. You, you draft him, and then you just you wait a couple of years, and then he's going to be your starting goalie. He's going to be the best goalie on your team. So, Yeah, I mean... I've heard people's argument with why you don't pick goalies because they're voodoo and you just, you know, you never know. It's really difficult to predict their, um, their, the way their career is going to pan out. And they, they cite players that were picked really, really high that bust out. And I'm like, yeah, well, what about uh, Alexander Degg? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, or Nail Yakupov. There's, like, yeah, there's, there's no, there's, there's no guarantee be, with any player. Yeah. There's going to be busts all over the draft regardless right. of position. And honestly, I think the, the problem with goalies is no one knows how to, how to evaluate them. They're like, you almost have to play goalie to know how to evaluate the goalies. Like, this is going to be a shameless plug, but when I was talking to Mike McKenna, uh, the former NHL goalie, I did an interview for Dauber Prospects with him, and I asked him about, uh, about the whole goalies are voodoo thing, and he, he completely called BS on that. He's like, it's not that goalies are voodoo, it's that no goalies scout after their careers are done. Teams need to get goalies involved in scouting and they need to get the goalies involved in in looking at these young players and deciding whether or not they're they're going to pan out and goal and he thought he was telling me about some of the finer details of it and everything and it's hard to evaluate goalies because like you said there's one goalie and there's six skaters so or five skaters so what position are you more likely to have played or more likely to have watched with more frequency like you don't play goalie so it's hard to evaluate them yeah, no, I totally agree with his point. However, <laughs> goalies absolutely are voodoo to me because yeah. I don't I don't pretend to understand the position. Exactly. I, I think they're crazy for playing it. Um, all right, so that's that group. Uh, anyone else in there you want to talk about? Uh, Holloway, maybe? Holloway's a, Holloway's a tough one to evaluate because he plays in the NCAA, NCAA, he plays college hockey. So a lot of people don't watch him because, especially in Canada, because you don't, get college hockey on tv here very often and when you do it's boston college it's usually out east and so you don't you don't get much wisconsin on tv and so you have to search it out and most people don't search it out and even in the states it's not on television like college football is so him being there it's, it's almost like he's the forgotten prospect but he's he, he showed up to team canada camp even though he was cut he was one of the best players at the camp and He's going to be on that team next year. It's it's similar to uh, Perfetti, where next year was kind of always their year, but they had a chance this year, too. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what I commented on him in the article, that, you know, he's come from the AJHL to the NCAA, so, you know, less than 1% of the population of the hockey community has seen, actually seen this kid ever play a game. Exactly. Um, so he's way under the radar. Uh, right on. So the next group, 
That would be about three players. So Rodion Amirov, Zion Nivak, and Yan Maisek make up the next group. And their rankings go from 150 to 179. So the gaps start to start to get a little bit more wild here as the rankings outside of the top 15 were very inconsistent. And and that's pretty standard for all of these articles that I've done. You know, I mean, you've got guys now that'll be in the, the top 15 here. Um that weren't ranked on a couple of the other writers' lists at all. And before I go too far, side note on Askarov, that's why he's ranked so low on this list, not because it's a fantasy ranking, uh, just because he was omitted on a lot of people's lists. They didn't they didn't think about the goalie. Um, I forgot to really specify when I handed out the instructions for this that, you know, please include Yaroslav Askarov <laughs> and, yeah. any other, and any other goalies in, in your list. So some people just didn't mention him at all. Uh, other people had him ranked as high as eight. I think I had him at eight. Um, anyway, uh, so that's why he uh, he should be higher on this list. Yeah. In my I think I think that's a mistake. Uh, so the next group, these three: Amirov, Nivek, and and Mysek. What do you? Uh, who stands out in this group for you? I think I think my sex stands out in this group for me, and it's it's again much like the Holloway Holloway debate. It's he plays in the Czech league. He's not on everyone's TV. Like the only people that really watch him, and I mean all three of these guys really, they play in kind of obscure leagues, at least on on this side of the the ocean. Because you got Amirov playing in the KHL, Nybeck playing in the Super Elite, and uh, Myzak playing in the Czech league, which is even more obscure than those two. And so it's you, you you only really see Mysek if you search him out or if you hope he's playing at World Juniors or under 18 tournaments and stuff. So he was he was pretty good at the Helenka. He was he was one of the standouts for the Czechs. And yeah, he's he's a good player, but uh, it's hard. It's hard to find uh, views on him. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've never had a chance to see him play. So looking forward to um, getting some. Did he make the World Junior team? Uh, I don't know off by hand, actually. I think so. I, I would assume so. He's got the skill for it, for sure. And the Czechs aren't, don't have a, an right. extremely strong roster this year. So being the host nation, bringing the flashy kid makes sense. Yeah. So hopefully he's at the World Juniors and I get a chance to watch him play like in two weeks. Yeah. All right. Uh, the next group is another group of three. And so we go from my sack, 179 points. Uh, Jeremy Poirier, 192. Uh, Dawson Mercer, 200. And I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Casper Simon Tevel. That's what I've been going with. Simon Tevel, Simon Tevel. Yeah, I've heard that, it all. So that guy. We'll just go uh, with Casper. Sure. Yeah. Casper the Friendly Simon. He comes in at yeah. 203 points. Uh, so I like Dawson Mercer out of this group. I watched him play in the Canada Rush series. And uh, man, this kid's got a wicked good shot. He's smart. He knows how to get into um, into really good scoring positions. Um, but I actually had a chance today to watch on my phone the World Junior uh, exhibition game against uh, Canadian University team sport. And... A few things that I really didn't like that I saw today. Um, yeah, he's got some warts in his game. He was, uh, they had the the puck in in U Sports Zone, and you know he was kind of doing the the big circle, and he was going along the blue line, and um, I, I saw it coming. I was like, oh man, you're gonna lose it. And the guy poked it and breakaway goal. Yeah, and I was just like, oh man, you can't make plays like that at higher levels dude you gotta without support you gotta be real sure um so anyways uh that's just my thought on him who stands out that shit between these three uh i'll take poirier right now because he was a guy i had ranked a lot higher than 18 i think i had him at 11 if i'm not mistaken when yep. i put my list when i submitted my list and he's just a, a, a guy that he he oozes off offensive potential. In my opinion, he's this year's Tom Thomas Harley out of the QMJHL though. And he's just an offensive guy. He's he just goes. He's he's a guy that's gonna give up some defensive uh lapses. He's gonna he's gonna make mistakes in that end, but 
with the puck on his stick, it's just he's he's on another level. He's almost Jamie Drysdale level that way, but he's he doesn't have the defensive game. But in the fantasy league, you're going for points. You don't care how many goals, unless you're counting plus minus or goal differential in some way. But you you go for the points. He's going to get you assists. He's going to play on the power play most likely. He's a he's a big guy that's going to quarterback the power play at the NHL level most likely. Yeah, my takeaway with this guy is is his his best asset and his weakness are the same thing, and it's his uh, desire to carry the puck. Right, he can yes. skate it with. Uh, authority and and look great and and make plays happen and then at the same time he can skate himself out of position really badly create a turnover that leads to a chance the other way um but here's the good thing that's coachable exactly and you can fix that with experience experience and coaching can can iron that out of your game uh, what you can't teach is the creativity and the confidence. So if he can maintain his offensive creativity and, and confidence and desire to carry the puck uh, and make plays happen and, and just be a little bit smarter about it at times, um, yeah. that bodes well for him. Yeah, I have the I have the article up here, and I think it was Will Scouch. He goes, he says, uh, his decisions <laughs> and give a shit meter need to need to shift, and I, I think that's the the biggest thing when you're talking real hockey. You need him to, to care a little bit more about what happens with the puck, but I mean he's gonna put on put on a show with the puck on his stick as long as he he calms down a little bit with trying to do everything himself. Right. Okay. So Casper uh, at two hundred three points. The next kind of group is um, it's kind of big. Uh, it goes from Antonio Stranges at two hundred twelve to Ty Similek at two hundred fifty one. Um, pretty much the rest of the the grouping here um there isn't really a, a big jump so Stranges is 212 Emil Andre is 217 Maverick Bork 225 Jacob Perot 235 Justin Barron 238 uh, Yarmer Pitlick great hockey name Yarmer Pitlick yeah. 243 Tyson Forrester 244 uh Cormier 247 Ronnie Hirovnin 248 like really incremental jumps all the way down the rest of the way um, to tie similar like at 251 and actually sorry uh who made 31 Carter Savoy Car- Carter Savoy yeah 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 why didn't I write that down uh <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, there's a logjam there. And then the guys that were just outside the list that made the honorable mentions as well, um, they were all right there, too. And there's a couple other guys that were right in that wheelhouse as well that, um, that just didn't have a write-up, so I didn't even mention them in the honorable mentions. Uh, so who's one or two players in there that uh, you feel really strongly about? Oh, one of the guys that I don't feel as strongly about having this high is Justin Barron at 25 in a, in a real world perspective, I'd, I'd put him in that range, but in a fantasy perspective, I'm not, I'm not completely sold on his offensive potential. I think he'll be a decent two way guy. He's in my opinion, he'll be, he tops out at like a, a 25, 30 point guy. But if we're, if we're going fantasy points, fantasy perspective, sorry, you want a guy that has a little bit more of an offensive upside. He's got a big shot. And he's mobile to an extent, but he's not dynamic in any way. I don't think his his playmaking is elite. It's good, but it's more of a PP2 guy. And at this point in a a prospect fantasy draft, you're kind of going for guys that have a little bit more offensive potential, like Jeremy Poirier or even a guy like Lucas Cormier, who's down at 28. Right. One of the players I was interested in seeing where they – where they sorted out and all this was Antonio Stranges. Um, London Knights forward has that uh, that really great unorthodox skating style. And I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of that. Um, and that's the, um, I think it's the 10-2 or the Mohawk. Where yeah, basically the 10-2. You, yeah, you put your heels together so that you can face and see the play. Uh, Jeremy Bracco does this really well. He's the first player I've ever seen that that really uses this on a regular basis. Um, Bracco uses it on the power play and he's extremely efficient at it. He'll you know he'll get the puck on the, the half wall and he'll he'll skate behind the net and when he comes out from behind the net he puts his heels together and keeps taking strides with his feet pointing in opposite directions. 
and it allows him to put his back to the boards and face without having to to turn and look right out and see the whole sheet of ice to see everybody and where they are and he's still able to to move and stride um and then he'll go out to the blue line and just keep on going if he doesn't like what he sees and until something opens up it's a really effective but very complicated way to skate um and uh Tony Stranges does this a lot too so there's a lot of yeah but with Antonio Stranges like yeah he's you can watch the highlight reels and you'll see some good stuff and yeah he's 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 very offensive but a lot of people have that yeah but exactly uh, so he's what's the he's but a, for you yeah for for me the but is his his lack of desire to play without the puck essentially in the offensive zone, he's moving. He's all over the place. He's even when the puck's not on his stick, he's trying to get into a better position to score. But w- without the puck, he's kind of like in the neutral zone, defensive zone. He's a little lackadaisical. He floats around a bit. It, it seems like he knows where to be. He just doesn't care to be there at times. But in a fan, for a fantasy perspective, he's a guy that, like you said, the ten to two. He used he people fear it because of they're like, oh well, Jeremy Bracco uses it and. He, he hasn't made it to the NHL level, and his his offensive game is predicated on it, and he can't quite get to the next level with it. But I think Strand just has just a superior offensive tool set to, to, to Bracco in general, and he combines that with the 10-2. to 2. I think his vision's outstanding, much like Bracco, but he's also got the goal-scoring threat, which Bracco doesn't have. He's, he's got a really high-end shot, and people... He gets, he gets his goal totals muted a bit in London because... He doesn't get the opportunity like a lot of junior teams do because London's a factory that just continuously produces warriors and guys that just put up big numbers at the junior level. So he just doesn't get the opportunity, I think. And I, I think he's going to be a guy like Connor McMichael last year where people are a little sour on him, but the London Knights factory will come in next year and he's going to tear up the league before we all know it. Um, yeah, it's... I want to. I want to see some more. I, I haven't seen him play enough yet to uh, to really have a super strong opinion. But let's just say my curiosity is really is really peaked. Oh, for on, sure. On his file I and mean, what his um what his upside can be. Uh, one last player. Sorry, player. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on was the thirty first ranked guy, uh, Carter Savoy. How do you pronounce his last name? Savoy. 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 Maybe. Uh, Anyway, I, I've gone with probably Savoy. 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 I mean, he, he's Savoy. coming from yeah. Western Canada, so it's probably not Savoy. Yeah, Savoy. that's why I've always gone with Savoy. <laughs> I'm like, ah, he's not from Quebec. He's Savoy. He's <laughs> yeah, <good."> right. <laughs> uh, okay, so I talked about him. He's one of my three prospects to watch uh, that I talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Um, Coming out of the AJHL, so we talked about how that is a, a, a little scene league, but, uh, you know, hey, Kel McCarr came from there, and he's working out just fine. Yeah, he's pretty uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, and he's, his brother Matt Savoy, or Savoy, sorry, Savoy, uh, is uh, the player that uh, most people would be more familiar with. He had the exceptional status application for the dub as the first player. Didn't get it. Um, but, you know, still a bit of a, a hockey prodigy and someone who we're all going to be paying close attention to for his draft. Yeah, he, he got that like quasi acceptance where they rejected it, but they've given him a special status now where he's allowed to play somewhere between 30 and 50 games. No one quite seems sure, but it's yeah. a weird situation. But he's, he's playing draft. in the WHL most of the time. Yeah. 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 That's mm, I'm sure they'll find a way to exercise options to get him into the maximum or even other circumstances emergency injury recalls or yeah exactly Peyton Krebs is at uh, the world junior so we need him kind of thing exactly um so he's he's in the dub but his older brother uh Carter is playing in um uh the AJHL and he's a commit for uh whatever I think it was Denver yeah um have you had a chance to see a lot of him play so far uh, he's a guy that I, I, I went out and I searched out to, to watch him play a little bit more. I've watched a few of his games with the Sherwood Park in the AJ, AJHL. And then I watched him at the Canadian or the World Junior A Championships a uh, month and a half ago. And he was, he was pretty good there as well. And then there was the Junior A Challenge uh, last week. And he just 
or it's going on still actually and he just hasn't quite been good he's he's yeah he scored a, a shootout goal yesterday but the game itself he was a little invisible he hasn't really taken the step that I was hoping I'd see him take on on a international stage and it, it's been a little depressing but I, I try not to put too much uh too much clout into one tournament because he's been so good with Sherwood Park and he's been good at other events so I'm not hating on him too much for it all right uh did we miss any players that you specifically want to talk about uh, let's see who else is there a guy that didn't make the cut, actually, that I, I kind of like is Thomas Bordalo. He's, in my opinion, he's the top American. Him and Smolanik, they, they've been kind of one and two for the Americans this year and a, a bit of a weaker class for them after last year's all-world class. That was insane. But, no, Bordalo's, in my opinion, has the highest upside, but he's also got a, a bit of a bust factor. He's a smaller guy, but he's, he's got a load of talent. Every time you watch the U.S., NDP team. He's he's the guy that always sticks out to me. I've been I've been uh, to a few of the games live, and he's always finding the score sheet with a goal or two assists, or he's, he's seemingly putting up points every game. And he's just he's a firecracker on the ice. He's all over. He's constantly got the puck on his stick, and he's just creating plays on both ends of the ice. Even defensively, he's pretty good. Right on. Okay, Tony, it's your team's fantasy draft. You've got the third overall pick out of the lottery Lafreniere goes number one Byfield goes number two and someone comes at you with a trade offer for the third overall pick they really want Lucas Raymond they're going to offer you like the 10th and something else really juicy do you take that and trade down and and hope to get Askarov Uh, if, if my team needs a goalie prospect then I might take that because I assume I'd already have a couple high-end offensive guys, but that's that's a tough move. Trading back to ten might not even get you Askarov. To be completely honest, I've I've talked to a couple people who have been like, "Oh yeah, like my plan is to try to get a pick in the five to seven range and grab Askarov there after a couple of the elite guys are gone." So even at ten, I think I'd have to wait and try to get it up to try to get a pick up in the five to seven range if I really want Askarov. But Lucas yeah, yeah. let's it, it's let's, hard let's... to give up. Let's say you're looking at the players who are picking, you know, one through nine, and you're like, "There's no chance these guys are taking a goalie." Yeah. Then, then if then if I if I get that, then I I might go with the, the trade, depending on what that other juicy asset is. But Raymond's Raymond's tough to give up. Yeah, it's funny. This time last year, that was pretty much what I was thinking with with Cole Caulfield. I was like, "Man, I'm going to really really reach and take Cole Caulfield in like." with my pick and I, it was mid round pick that I had. And I was like, I, some people might kind of question, but I'm telling you, I don't care how fucking small this guy is. He's going to score some goals and he's going to be yeah. great. And I'm going to look really smart picking him. And he was long gone by the time, oh, yeah. to me by the time the like, season ended. Uh, I want to say in, in our fantasy draft this year, I think he went third or fourth. He went yeah. right after Hughes and Kako. And it was just, it, I, I didn't have a shot at him. I was like, all right, well, I'll sit here with my seventh pick and get who I get. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that was fun. So, again, if anyone uh, hasn't seen this uh, article, it's on the Dauber Prospects uh, 2020 NHL Fantasy Draft Ranking. It is in our NHL Draft Rankings and NHL. Uh, yeah, our NHL Draft Rankings tab. So you can find it there. Uh, it's got contributions from... Um, Tony, myself, Yoki, Cam, Steve Ellis from the Hockey News, Scott Wheeler from The Athletic, Russ Cohen from uh, Hockey Prospect Radio, Ryan Wegman and Brock Houghton from McKean's, Brock's OHL Prospect Blog, and uh, and former Dauber Prospects writer, Will Scouching. Um, so it's good stuff. And we might even do a second one later in the season, right before the draft comes out. Because um, it's, it's such a cool article and a lot changes between now and then. So again, Tony, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's at the Tony Ferrari. Try to make it simple. Right on, right on. At DPR underscore show or Farling for me. And thanks so much for coming on the show, Tony. I really appreciate your insight and contributing to this article specifically. No problem. Anytime, buddy. Right on, right on. Keep your stick on the ice. And uh, that's a wrap for this episode. 
Well, uh, we got a couple episodes coming up like rapid fire. Um, probably, yeah, next week I'll be doing interviews uh, with um, a couple different people uh, doing World Junior previews. So I'll have an episode for Russia, Finland, Sweden, Canada, USA. I've got some some pretty cool guests uh, lined up for each episode. And uh, I'll bang those all out next week, rapid fire style. Um, so long as everything pans out schedule wise with life and Christmas and, and all those fun things. But, um, you know, got to get them up before the World Junior starts because they're preview uh, episodes. So World Juniors are amazing. Great opportunity to um, scout for your fantasy team. Uh, and this will help tell you who to look for uh, in the World Juniors. So we'll talk to you then. Tony, take her easy, pal. Sounds good. See you later.